So apostles and team ministry. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, Jesus is referred to as our apostle and high priest of our confession. As an apostle, so this is the model that Jesus introduces, he appointed 12 so that they would be with him, speaking of relationship, and that he could send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So Jesus, as the apostle, any apostles, and I'm sure Paul has covered this, any apostles that Jesus has sent to his body modern day are little apostles. They're little A's. Jesus is the big A. He is the chief apostle. There will never be none like him. He alone stands in his own category, if you will. But in order to equip his body, he raises up and releases little A's apostles ascension or modern day apostles and he releases him into his, releases them into his body to represent the apostolic nature of who he is so apostles introduce the apostolic nature of Christ prophets introduce the prophetic nature of Christ pastors represent the shepherding are you following me he was the teacher, the Rabboni. So modern day fivefold teachers reveal that part of Christ. So you need all five to rightly represent who he is. So we are currently talking about apostles and team ministry. So Jesus, as the chief apostle, we're looking at how did he bring forth the kingdom of God in his day. Jesus, as the chief apostle, he goes ahead and he assembles a team around him. He calls them to himself and himself out of relationship, and then he delegates authority to them to cast out devils. Are we good? So we always want to look at Jesus the author, the perfecter of our faith. We want to look to him as our chief apostle, the one who gave apostles to his body. So where apostles are functioning, they build teams. Where apostles are functioning, they're seeking to help other people find their space and their place. Can we see that in the life of Jesus? He could have done it by himself. Jesus just could have walked the earth as the Son of God and done everything by himself. But yet it was the wisdom of God that he gathered a team around him and he trained and equipped them for the work of ministry. If Jesus Christ did this, then why in so many churches, if the senior pastor died, the church would collapse? Why in so many churches in America, if they have a satellite campus, evidently we have to stream the one guy into multiple campuses? 
They're not raising up any teams. We're not training and equipping. If Jesus in a modern day sense were here, he would say, okay, we're going to have a campus in Brownsburg. Peter and John, go ahead. We're going to have a, a campus in, in Plainfield. Bar Bartholomew, and go, go ahead. He would begin to disperse. Why? Jesus is into team. Genesis 1. Let us make man in our own image. The Godhead is a team. So God and the church in the New Testament have always been about team. You have Moses raised up in the, in the Old Testament. And Jethro comes and says, Hey, the burden on you is too great. Now lay hands on elders, lay hands on people, and disperse the burden upon them. But isn't it so true, like the Israelites, they wanted a king. Give us Saul. This religious thing has crept into the American church where we cry out for one man to do everything. And then we wonder why they're burning out and having affairs on their wives. Because there's way too much pressure. There's way too much expectation. They're never going to meet the needs of the people because we're asking them to do the work of five people. We're building, we're worshiping, we're setting one person up on a pedestal and then gasping when they fall. I don't know where we got it. I mean, I, I do know. But for the sake of time today, this ain't what Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior did. Right off from Jump Street, He starts His ministry. What's the first thing in His mind? Reproduction. Very first thing. Oh, this person is a great leader. You know what great leaders do? They find their replacement immediately. Folks, I've preached in probably close to 700 churches in the last 10, 15 years. I would say a good 75% of the churches, large and small, the conferences with thousands that I preach in, at least 70 to 75% of them if that one main person were to fall, the entire thing would shut down. And we glory and we boast. Look at this church and look at this movement and look at this mighty man and woman of God. Mighty men and women of God build teams. This is a great, great leader. I'm no longer looking at the leader. I'm looking at the team around them that they've established. That's what makes them a great leader. Okay, so let's move into the New Testament. So Acts 2, Pentecost. We have the church at Jerusalem that ends up being birthed. And then in Acts 13, you have Paul and Barnabas. They're commissioned as apostles. And they're sent out from Antioch as a... Okay, really important. I mean, this is a really tough lesson we're going to learn today here at our Father's house. 
The one word I want you to remember is team. Team is Bible. Team is New Testament. Team is the new era. Egyptian religious systems are full of all focus and all attention and all expectation being placed on one person. The pandemic crucified that. The pandemic gave us a way as the church to open up our eyes and recognize maybe the way that we're building isn't God's way. So they were sent out as a team on their first missionary journey. On his second journey, Paul doesn't travel with Barnabas anymore. He travels with Silas, a prophet. And on his third journey, entire teams are being mobilized and traveling with him to spread the gospel. So notice even the, the progression. Jesus comes, gathers a team, delegates authority. You remember when Jesus laid hands on the 70 and he sent them out? What by what? We're not preaching rocket science. All throughout the New Testament, they modeled team. But for whatever reason in America, we are opposed to team because we want a king. As apostles like Paul, Barnabas, Timothy, and Titus began winning souls for Christ in various cities, planning churches, establishing Jesus Christ as the foundation of the church, and discipling new believers, they eventually laid hands on elder teams and commissioned them to shepherd, teach, lead, protect, and oversee the saints in each city where disciples became churches. The apostles would travel into cities. They would preach the Gospels. Now, they would stay in cities for different lengths of time. We know in Ephesus, they were there for three years. We know at Corinth, they were probably there for 18 months. We know that wherever Paul traveled, he always traveled in a team. And then wherever that they would begin to establish churches, in other words, disciples became churches wherever that they would go, even as they came as a team of fivefold ministers, they would also hand over the local works to elder teams. They would hand them over to individuals who operated in teams. Where are you getting that, brother? I'm glad you asked. Elders governed the church in Jerusalem, Acts 15. Elders are found in the churches of Judea and the surrounding areas. Now again, it doesn't say elder. It does not say the livelihood of the churches were left to one bishop or one senior pastor. Elders were established in the churches of Derby, Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, in the church at Ephesus, in the church at Philippi, in the churches on the island of Crete. 
I've got a massive secret for you. There are zero churches in all of the New Testament that do not have plural elders governing them. These teachings are so funny because people are like, huh? Like, is it introducing a new concept? Is this some kind? No, this is just the Bible. But we want to do it different than the Bible. And then we want to moan and complain and get angry and cry out for revival when part of revival is setting God's church in order from the top down. What if part of revival or the more of God was introducing five ministries to people, equipping them for the work of ministry, and then having elder teams in our midst who could help shepherd, who could help guard, who could help govern the people of God? What if God's idea of team was really what He wants to do and in fact He's always wanted to do? Small letters, sorry. Let's take a look at instructions that were given to elders, not single leaders in the New Testament. James instructs those who are sick to call upon the pastor of the church. Hello, are you here this morning? It's okay if you're sitting here thinking, wow, I have no idea what I've been a part of for decades. Well, Billy Bob's in the hospital. Could you call Pastor Paul to come up here and pray? Because, I mean, clearly in America, we just think there's only one anointed guy in each church that's qualified to pray for the sick. Well, uh, I'm just, I can't attend here anymore. He didn't come see me in the hospital. Sir, are, are you really just infatuated with this one person? Or do we just recognize, no, the elders of the church are the ones who pray for the sick. And in fact, if we want to even, we all can pray for the sick. Paul instructs the Ephesian church to financially support elders who labor at the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Paul instructs the church as to proper qualification for eldership. When Paul lays out the qualification for elders, he clearly envisions each qualified individual to be a part of a team, not the single leader of any congregation. Peter instructs the young men to submit to church elders. The writer of Hebrews instructs his readers to obey and submit to the leaders, again plural. Paul instructs the church to acknowledge, love, and live at peace with its leaders, again plural. In his Systematic Theology, a book that Wayne Grudem wrote, he says... No passage in the New Testament suggests that any church, no matter how small, had only one senior leader. The consistent New Testament pattern is a plurality of elders in every church and in every town. 
We do not see a diversity of forms of government in the New Testament church, but a unified and consistent pattern in which every church had elders governing it and watching over it. Well done, or what have you done? What if, what if God is offering church hurt immunity in the new era? Because I've been hurt, you've been hurt, we've all been hurt, because so-and-so let us down. And again, folks, I'm just simply saying, at the very least, what we're realizing today is in the American system of church, we have put unrealistic, unbiblical expectations on one senior leader that Jesus isn't even expecting them to function in. And if Jesus isn't expecting them to function in it, neither should we. So we have to wrestle with the mindsets that we've always had one, and then secondly, we have to begin to wrestle with, God, if this is your way and not my way, if this is your church and not my church, what are we really willing to do to sacrifice for the New Testament church? What if I'm supposed to be here for Jesus, not said individual? Because in any body of believers, we can talk about the fivefold ministry, we can say we want it, until someone that we want to preach stops preaching. And then we're going to find out if we really love one another, and if we really love Jesus, or really we're just American idolaters. Do you realize like, that, that's what it's all about? Is so-and-so there? Is so-and-so preaching? Is so-and-so leading worship? Was Paul there? No. Apostle Paul had moved on to plant another church and establish another team because he was an apostle. When someone is an apostle, I mean, just really, really basic a sent one. If you have apostolic grace on your life, you are someone sending others, and you are someone who God is sending to places all over the earth. We planted Heart of the Father ministry down in Florida in 2010. And we set out to establish and build everything that we're talking about today. Who's heard of Barry Nichols? Barry Nichols was an elder at the church down in Lakeland who shared a preaching rotation with me. He shared counseling with me. According to the grace that was on our lives as a team and other team members, 
we functioned together as a team and we saw the work of the Lord grow in our midst. But I can just tell you that some people in our community liked when he preached and some other people in the community liked when I preached. So when I would preach, and maybe it was more of a revival flair, people would be upset that I didn't teach the Word like Barry. And Barry would teach the Word of God and there wouldn't be an altar call. And people would be like, man, where's the altar call? But as part of the team, the grace of God was functioning in our midst. And because it was really all about Jesus, we began to embrace a New Testament reality back in those early years that's still fully functioning today. How was I able to travel and preach at hundreds and hundreds of churches all over the world while still planning a church? We embrace team. Because the apostolic and the prophetic grace that God has given some will move them along according to the Spirit of God where elders are most focused on what's happening locally. So what I'm talking to you about today is not only scripturally sound, but it's something by God's grace that we have not only built in a former season, but we're building today. Well, who's preaching over there in Charlotte? I thought they said you planted a church, one of the leaders named Chad, and he's functioning in a grace that I don't have and I don't want. Where's Jeremiah? He's not at the ark. That kind of thinking and mindset, they won't last long. Because they're just there looking to worship me and not Jesus. They're just there trying to buy into an American system, an Egyptian style of doing church, and they're not really wanting to be a part of a New Testament church that's built on team. Isn't it funny like, well, I, I really like the worship and I don't like the word. This isn't a buffet. <laughs> well, I, I really like apostles, but I don't like pastors. Well, I really like evangelists and I don't really care for teachers. What you're saying is, I care for part of Jesus and I don't really care for parts of others of Him. If an evangelist takes this microphone, they're going to convince everyone in this room that this is a waste of time. Because evangelists are all about souls that are lost who aren't here. So when evangelists starts functioning in the grace that God has given them, they're going to rally people for the poor, the needy, the broken, the downcast. But what am I saying? That's part of Jesus, but not all of Him. Because if a teacher were to take this microphone, which by the way, Barry Nichols is like the most, he's the example of a teacher. Line upon line, verse upon verse. We don't need to do outreach. We need to know our Bibles. 
We need to study them. We need more. But you feel this tension. Wait a minute. One guy's saying we need to go out there. One guy's saying I need to open up my Bible. The prophets are saying we need to be looking for the outpouring of the Spirit. Dreams, visions, and I don't know. i got to check about you. I'm just kidding. You know, they're, they're like discernment, like warning you, like, okay, I mean, yes, no. And then the pastors are, it's the shepherding, it's the brokenness, it's the counseling, it's the, and then the apostles, apostles are all about your growth and maturity. Apostles are looking to raise up armies, not audiences. Apostles don't coddle you. They get you ready for war. I think I might have heard one today. So we're like, do I pick and choose? Do I? No, because it's all about Jesus. I need all five functioning. I need with people like, I only listen to. I'm like, oh Lord. I hear an idolater. I only listen to. I mean, the only time that's okay is it's Jesus. But Jesus has given five ministries to His body that represent Him. And so we're on a journey as a community here. We're on a journey in North Carolina. Folks, what I'm trying to tell you is this is happening all over the globe. There's a massive reset happening in the global church where people are recognizing this one-man religious system does all, COVID killed. And all of a sudden, we're in a new era where we have an opportunity to give people the fullness of who He is, to build the church on team, to equip saints for the work of ministry so that if another plague hits and we can't, come to a building well guess what we've been equipped to do house to house thank god for a famous man or woman of god but i need to know how to disciple my family i need to know who jesus really is so once proper foundation has been laid in the local church and the apostles lay hands on the elders, they are now responsible for the pastoral care of the flock and the primary responsibility of teaching and preaching. While apostles expand the kingdom and seek to keep it healthy, local church elders are entrusted with the day-to-day management of it. So I want to talk for a minute about the difference between apostolic leadership and pastoral leadership. What I believe is that most people have only ever been exposed to pastoral leadership and they've never been exposed to apostolic leadership or they have taken pastoral expectations and put them on apostles And now the apostle is suffocating under false expectations and needs to get free of it. Apostolic leadership carries a vision to mobilize the saints to invade, occupy, and transform their communities and cities. 
The apostolic thinks kingdom before congregation. Did anybody hear that worship this morning? It was about the blood. It was about Avon. It was about gates. It was about the kingdom. So all of a sudden, the meeting that you walked into this morning was not very pastoral. Because at the focus of it is, we're here for more than boo-boos and band-aids. We know that Jesus cares about boo-boos and band-aids and Thanksgiving feasts, but we're here gathered as the ecclesia, gathered as the people of God to make war on religion and advance the kingdom of God. So whether you recognize it, and again, I know in this house it's become normal because you have Paul functioning as an apostle, as apostolic grace, but yet sometimes coming underneath something pastoral that's not him. So some of us, it's just become normalized. When we gather together, we just strap up, we put on our army boots, we're going to punch the devil. I mean, did you hear that like beginning prayer he prayed? I'm like, holy cow, we're getting ready to like go cut demons' heads off. A, a pastor would never do that. Did you hear Mitchie pray? Oh, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the people, Lord, that you brought here. But, but you're hearing the heart of a shepherd, that tender nurturing, and that was for someone. That, that was someone in, in this room over the last week is really struggling, is really hurting, really needs someone to take time for them. So, Lord, thank you that you've given Mitchell a shepherd's heart in this community so that if people are hurting and broken, if they need some care, thank you, Lord, for Mitch. And, Lord, thanks for Paul. It's all right, we call him Pauly, but I can't do that. It's older brother thing. Lord, thanks for Paul. Thank you for this brother who's not really the guy to go to when you've got the boo-boos and the band-aids. This is really the guy to go to when you've grown up and you're ready to wreak havoc on the devil. This is the guy ready to release you into your ultimate destiny. But again, we've got to recognize who people are in the kingdom and then we have to be careful that we're not placing expectations on people that they don't have grace for. Who is actively, what do you do for a living? A forklift company. So if I came to you and I started asking you questions about chemical engineering, you would be like, bro, I'm a, for, I'm a forklift guy. I'm not a chemical engineering. It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. We, we're, we're going to different people and different leaders placing all of these demands, placing all of these expectations. And again, a lot of it is we just want one particular guy when the Lord is saying, I'm actually equipping a team in Avon. I'm rallying a group of people. 
I, I had a dream two nights ago where I was here at the church and I had a I had one of those um, guns in my hands where they fire off for races and I was shouting in this company of believers everyone get to your places every everyone get to your places in other words this community and again you guys have had the reset I can promise you, you're not going back to Egypt, not even close. The Lord is going to move a group of people and accelerate them into the destiny here that God has in Avon. But it's time that everyone finds their places. It's time that we recognize the grace on one another. And it's time that we take false expectations off of people and we give them liberty to be who God has called them to be. One is not better than the other. Apostles are not better than pastors. Here's what I tell people. You can have your preference, but God forbids prejudices. I get it. People loved Barry when he preached and they didn't like Jeremiah and Brother David down in Florida. And he all of we this morning and, and at the Ark in North Carolina, Chad is preaching. He's a pastor. He's gonna love people, he's gonna nurture them, and I'm gonna get back next week and call us to war. So it carries a vision to care for and nurture. It's funny to me, like, you know, people, because I'm so well-traveled, you know, they've had, I mean, God love them, like uh, the most faithful pastor for 27 years. They haven't missed a Sunday. And they love this brother. And again, we're not against that shepherd. But what we're saying is, what about the other four? But when I invite them into other ministries, they're like in shock. Because if all you've ever sat underneath is a pastor your whole life, you're, the way that I say it is, you're used to someone changing your diaper every Sunday. Oh, God bless you, brother. I mean, it's a very massaging, comforting, coddling. Your best life now, why every day is Friday. You're going to be, you're going to make it. He's with you. If you, you just, that's all, that's the appetite. That's the diet for decades. And all of a sudden, you get around another ministry, they're like, whoa. Because they're experiencing another part of Christ they've never even been around before. And oftentimes they say, well, but I like, I like my pastor better. But again, it's not liking your pastor better. It's about acknowledging, Lord, maybe I don't have all of you that I need. All right, how many of you are feeling this? And again, I get the tension. I get the, I get the light. The, there's light bulbs going off. But again, I get that. I tell Paul, like, it's this wrestle because people are like, they start looking around like, oh, I'm rebellious. Oh, I'm part of a cult. Because <laughs> they're like, where's this been my whole life? <laughs> and, and, and what's the, this does not bring in a lot of money. And this does not bring in a lot of people. I'll just tell you the truth. 
The reason why we don't want to build the New Testament church is because propping one man up and his gifting alone is going to bring you the most money and the most people. Thank God for a church here who doesn't care about how much money comes in and how many butts are in seats. I hope that you're grateful for that. I hope that you're like, thank God that I'm not part of a performance. That I'm not part of who can do this and that. Thank God I'm just a part of we want Jesus. We want His kingdom. We want it in its fullness. And Lord, I'm just going to believe that there are hundreds, there are thousands of people in this county that are just hungering and thirsting for something like this. They just don't even have the language for it. And that's why he's gathering you and I together as a family. So the apostolic and the pastoral leadership, they carry very different goals, focus, and flavor. It's very important that we not only understand their differences, but we also adjust our expectations of our leaders based on the grace they have been given by God. There are seven different assignments that I believe that God has given apostles and their role and function in the body of Christ that we can go over for, for a little bit. But Paul has obviously been called as an apostle here in the Hendricks County region to plant and establish the work of the Lord. There has been a group of people that has been gathering from different spaces and places. And after this reset, or as the Lord is continuing to grow this family of believers, you guys are moving into a, a, a phase or a season of team. God is going to raise up individuals in your midst. And what we really believe about the New Testament church is going to be uh, tested. And so when we recognize, for example, the apostolic nature on Paul's life, apostolic ministry brings with it a pioneering, a birthing, a building, an establishing of other works, a traveling into other. But if we don't understand apostolic grace, and we show up here in six months, and Paul has been called on that particular Sunday to Texas to help get another church established, our response is going to be, well, where's the shepherd? Oh, he left us. He doesn't love us anymore. He's just forgotten about us. Or he's just embracing who God has called him to be. Do you love Paul? If you really love someone, I mean, I can give you the example of, you know, some of us who are older in here, like you love your kid, but what happens when your kid doesn't want to go to college in the backyard? Whether you really love them and you want to release them to Jesus is going to be when they say, actually, I'm going to go to UCLA. And I'm going to move to California. If you love them, you'll release them and support them, right? So I get that we love Paul. I get that we love one another. But people that don't understand or haven't been around fivefold ministry 
and they're so used to a religious interpretation of church, they take people functioning in their calling as rejection. Where's the prophet going? They're blown about by the wind. The prophet, they flew over to Texas. They're over there in Vermont. What, where the heck are they going? They're following the Spirit of God, dropping the mail to another community of believers. And by the way, if they stay in one place too long, they're really grumpy. <laughs> I personally believe you know, America, we, we obviously, we invented the megachurch. We in, invented the megachurch with evangelists. Evangelists became pastors, and they never should have. And so when evangelists pastor, they build megachurches that are a mile wide and an inch deep. So most megachurch pastors in America are really evangelists and they offer a salvation message every Sunday and they grow and they grow and they grow, but there's no real discipleship. There's no deeper things of the Spirit of God because we can't get off the pulpit because people will leave and money won't come in. But notice how unhealthy your walk with Christ becomes when we have made the modern day Sunday morning gathering an evangelistic crusade. That's how sick the church has become. The church in America has become so sick that the focus of Sunday gatherings is to get people saved rather than make disciples. I'm giving you an example of what happens when people start functioning in capacities that God hasn't called them to, we become deformed as a body. God is going to raise up a healthy, mature company. So they release sound doctrine. They confront false doctrine. They strengthen the church. Apostles provide vision. They identify and bring unity among fivefold ministers. They invest in the elders. I would anticipate that in your future here at the church, Paul is going to lay hands on an elder team, and these brothers are going to begin to help to govern, help to pastor the local affairs of this community. It's not because Paul is tired and burned out and doesn't like you. It's because there's an apostolic grace on his life that if we allow it to function, it's going to build a team in our midst that's going to bring the fullness of Jesus to each one of our lives. And they provide ongoing leadership training. Apostles are naturally attracted to people who are leaders, who have influence, who are ready to be sent and empowered, where pastors are most attracted to people that are bleeding out, 
They're hurting. They're broken. They've been betrayed. They need someone to sit there and hold their hand. Again, one is not better than the other. We just have to recognize what people have grace for. There's a test that you can take to help you identify the different grace on your life. And I, I was even shocked. My wife and I, we are the 100% opposite. My number one is her number five. How in the world have we been able to cultivate a somewhat healthy marriage and family when two people are so radically different? Are you ready? Love. All right, look around in the room. Look around in the room. Do you love these people? Do you love them enough to release them into their calling? Do you love them enough to acknowledge what they're good at and what they're not? Do you love yourself enough to die to our pride and arrogance and to be able to confess, brother, I'm not good at that, but I know who is? Part of the beauty of community and family is when you're in love relationship with other and you recognize the grace and the gifting and it doesn't matter who gets the credit. When needs and things come up, you're like, oh, this couple's perfect. They have the gift of hospitality all over them. So we've got every kind of baby birth on lockdown straight up from the hood. Sorry. We've got it on lockdown because... We know the people rather than saying, oh, why isn't so-and-so helping with the... They don't have grace for that. But what, what am I really saying though? Each one of us then in this room has a responsibility. So I, I'd like to close this morning by, by just offering a, a prayer of participation. That every person in this room has grace and gifting from God that is necessary for this body to grow up into maturity and the fullness of all that God has for you. But this American church religious spectator where we just come in, pay our tithe, and watch everybody put a show on is over. I'm not really sure what the 911 Nick whatever that was code red was that like we have no volunteers help us <laughs> Why are we having to do that? Well, I want to be in the worship worship at home. Well well I Again, it's that consumerism. I come here to get. That's from the orphanage. In family, we participate. In family, we're givers. In family, family's dysfunctional. Somebody say praise God. Let's go ahead and get over the pride and the deception. But in family and in community, we function in the grace and the gifting that we have. And we say, Lord, thank you for the people that are in our midst. 
And Lord, surely there's enough grace of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in this room that can cover all needs of service. Well, where does service come from? His name is Jesus. Isn't it funny we can take all of this right back to the Master? Where did team come from? Jesus. Where did service come from? Jesus. Somehow, some way over the ages, we would rather model ourselves more after the Pharisees and the religious leaders than Him. The very people that He rebuked and took to task and told them, you look really good on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. Do we want the American way or the New Testament way? Do we want church culture or kingdom culture? I want to encourage you guys, there's a shift and a shaking all over the globe right now. God is divinely positioning communities of believers and He's doing it with teams. He's doing it with the recognition of the grace on our lives and He's helping all of us to find our space and our place in God's kingdom. Amen? I want you to bow your heads with me. That, that God would help to bring this body into full alignment. That just like you would go to the chiropractor, something feels out of alignment. I'm going to ask God to bring full alignment and full order here to this house. Jesus, we just speak over this body, everyone to your places. Maybe some of you will begin to reach out to the Lord and say, Lord, what's my place? Where can I serve? Where can I participate? Holy Spirit, stir up the grace. Stir up the grace that you've given us deep down on the inside of us. Lord, I pray for fresh oil. stay locked in in prayer but I'm just getting this vision of this fellowship at times for some of you it's felt like a slip and slide it's part of pioneering work you're going somewhere you've never been before 
You're crying out for something your eyes haven't seen yet. And just like a slip and slide, if you try to run down it, you'll fall. I really feel like the Lord is saying that over the last four to five years, I've been identifying and searching for people who aren't willing to run. Almost like that, that was prideful and arrogant. But I'm looking for people who will crawl on their hands and knees, forward, postured, bowed low before me. And I just speak over this body, yes, it's been slippery. The slope, the climb, not everyone's made it. Lord, I thank you for an opportunity for this community, even right now, just to grieve and mourn those who have fallen off the cliff, those who have not made it on this slippery slide. Lord, we remember our brothers and sisters who have been entangled by sin. We remember our brothers and sisters who were full of unbelief. comfort this group this morning pray for supernatural comfort and grief regarding those who we thought would be here this morning and aren't here anymore we remember them today we speak the word of God over them today we speak restoration and reconciliation just bringing people to your mind just release them just speak a word of blessing over them saying I said this last night some of you I hear the spirit of the Lord saying I have set things in motion there are things in motion at play now in this community that will not be reversed I hear the Lord saying that I will not contend with the arrogant or the broken or the hypocrites but those that remain will be those who are lowly and humble of heart. I will not strive with those who want to run on their feet even though the slide is slippery. 
but I am going to work with a people who are humble and lowly, who are willing to on their hands and feet move forward in a posture of humility and brokenness. I just see the Lord throwing. I, I just see this community as raw, as naked, as bare. I feel like the Lord is saying, as you transition into a new season in 2023, I'm throwing a garment of humility. The Lord says that I'm going to give you double for your shame. And the things that have happened in this community, I don't know what it is, that have sought to bring shame to my name, I will give back double for trouble. Lord, come and clothe the nakedness. Come and clothe the brokenness this morning with garments of humility and praise. Hear the Lord saying that where the devil has come to bring mockery and even debauchery, hear the Spirit of God saying, I'm coming with a demonstration of power and might. Just feel like I'm seeing like a laughing, mocking spirit that has come against our Father's house. There's been some kind of spirit that has been laying low in the grass, waiting for the falls, waiting for the bad reports, waiting for this mockery and debauchery. And I just hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that I'm going to come with a demonstration of power and might. I'm going to bind up the brokenhearted. I'm going to proclaim freedom to captives. Ben Locker, I've just felt the, the Spirit of God all over you this morning. And I hear the Spirit of God saying, I swear on my name. I hear the Spirit of God saying, I swear on my own name that the work that I began in you, I will be sure to complete it. And I am delivering you this morning from any attempt on your part to strive and try to get yourself out of any pit or any hole. And I prophesy to you that you are going to see the Spirit of God come in might and power and you're going to see Him set your feet upon the solid rock. And I just see you wrapping yourself on the cross as one clothed in humility and dignity. Father, we pray over our brother today, supernatural grace. Lord, not what he can do in his own strength or his own might or good ideas about the future. I feel like the Lord is saying that there's been a stripping, a humbling, even a humiliating that's been producing a cry, 
of what you can't do on your own, but now what God can do. Like the Lord is saying, as you enter into 2023, you are perfectly positioned for this verse, not by might nor by power or your own accord, but by my spirit, says the Lord. this room and you feel like you have shepherding grace on you if you're one of those people that just naturally care for the broken the wounded the hurting your heart constantly goes out if you're constantly reaching out to people that are down in the pit and you feel like you have just that natural shepherding thing on you would you just raise your hand Father, we just thank you for shepherding grace being released in this room today. Father, I pray that you would increase gifts of mercy and compassion. Lord, I thank you that this house will not only be a hospital, but it will be a military base. Lord, I thank you. I'm prophesying to you that this place will not only be a place for those hurting and wounded and broken to be shepherded and cared for but this will be a military base where people who are whole and well will be trained and equipped and sent out for the work of ministry lord i pray that you would cut any tension lord any tension in this room between the apostolic and the pastoral lord we pray let them be married together in this place let them work together in harmony and love If you're in this room and you feel like there's prophetic grace on you, if you're a burden bearer, if you're a feeler, if you're a dreamer, you have visions, I want you to lift up your hand. Father, we thank you for prophetic grace in this room to be increased. Lord, we pray for purity. Lord, we pray for health. Lord, we pray for words that would encourage and not cut. Lord, we thank you, Lord, in a day and age where the prophetic has hurt so many. Lord, I pray that people would be revived and set free by the word of the Lord in this house. Lord, we pray for an increase in dreams and visions. Lord, open up a prophetic well in Hendricks County. Lord, we call forth, Lord, the weepers, the dreamers, the burden bearers. Lord, we cry out for the intercessors in this county that are trapped in religious systems mourning over Saul. Lord, we prophesy that a Davidic company is emerging in Avon. Fresh anointing today fresh anointing today a fresh anointing for a fresh season 
only the humble will remain. God will not strive with the arrogant and the prideful. Yes, a slippery slide, but not one to run on on your feet. You'll fall. Just hands and knees, forward advancement, together in unity and love, recognizing the grace on one another.